Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. pleasure this morning of introducing a uh, guest speaker. Our guest speaker today is um, Pastor Joey Petty. He is the pastor, the lead pastor of Hope City Church in Roanoke, Virginia, and he absolutely brought a word from the Lord in a nine o'clock service. I can't wait to see what happens in this service. So if you all would rise to your feet and give a Bethesda welcome to Pastor Joey Petty. Oh man, you guys are awesome. Yo, thank you. Man, go ahead and have a seat. Uh, so so kind. Uh, yeah, I pastor in Roanoke. Uh, it's a it's an area we love, but uh, around here is home. My my father for the longest time uh, pastored a church in uh, Covington, and uh, in Covington is where I met my wife uh, Ashley. Um, I met her in the eighth grade. We moved from uh, South Carolina to Covington, Virginia. And uh, I got to youth group, and boom, there she was. And I thought, God is good. And uh, it took me, it took me uh, about six years to wear her down. But persistence pays off. Persistence pays off. And so um, I got a picture of my family. They, they were the first service, but they, they're so wonderful. I just want to show them. Man, to be clear, Santa and Mrs. Claus are not a part of the immediate family. Uh, but um, Santa was helpful in helping my son not pick his nose uh, during the picture. So, um, but anyways, yeah, my wife, Ashley, uh, my oldest daughter, Ella, then Nora, Lucy, and then my son, Bear. And uh, what a treat and what a gift they are. And uh, they allow me and, uh, and support me and be able to do this. And so uh, I just wanted to share them with you because they are a blessing to my heart. I also just wanted to say uh, I, was, I was blown away when Pastor Chad reached out and said, hey, would you come uh, preach? And uh, I was honored. I said, absolutely. And when, when do you want? And uh, he gave me a date and he said, oh, by the way, I'm not going to be there. And uh, I was like, whoa. And this is what it means to me as a pastor. Because I know how much Pastor Chad and Pastor Karen, how much they love you guys. And how much they pray for you. And how much they desire to see God move in your life. And for him to feel comfortable enough to say, Joey, would you come on a time when I'm not there? I felt so blessed and honored by that. And, uh, and, and he and Karen have been a blessing in our life, in this church. I, I remember showing up when you guys were in the building over there. Uh, we, we were in Montana for a couple years, moved back, and we visited a few times. And to see what God's doing, it is unprecedented and exciting. And so today, I'm excited to chase Jesus with you. Can we do that for a little bit this morning? All right. I like you guys. Y'all hungry. Y'all are hungry. I like it. Um, we're going to jump straight into the word. This is 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. I want to share this passage with you. It's kind of extended, but uh, I want to I get in on a deep dive on this today. Can I pray real quick? Uh, <laughs> you're at a church, so most people say, I'm not going to say no. Um, but thanks for the agreement. God, um, we need what you have. So, Lord, may our level of expectation begin to rise and our hearts just be available. 
to, to receive what you're going to speak. And, Lord, I, I would pray a bold prayer. Lord, if, if you would miraculously need to take the words as they go through the air and turn them into what needs to be heard, Lord, I ask that you meet every person in the area of deepest need because you're good like that. And so we thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Right on. Oh, I didn't turn around to see the screen this morning. Shout out to my guy, James. James, you did a great job, man. Yeah. I was just looking at this. I don't want to point the screen in the back. Sorry. It's probably uh, I'm so, so giddy. All right. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. One day Elisha went to the town of Shunem. A wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. She said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. And then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. Now, Elisha was uh, um, honored by that. It, what an amazing thing to be when you're traveling to have a home-cooked meal and a place to, to, to rest your head and when you're exhausted, a time to get by yourself. And, and he was so honored by that. He said, what can I do for you? I want to be a blessing to you. You've been a blessing to me. And she said, you don't need to do anything. And so Elisha turned to his servant Gehazi and said, Gehazi, man, what can we do for this woman that has blessed us and has blessed me? And, and Gehazi said, you know what? She does not have a son. And her husband is old, like real, super-duper old, wrinkly old. So the sun might not be coming. And Elisha says this, verse 15, call her back again, Elisha told him. And when the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you'll be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried, oh man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. And despite her, uh, her disbelief to the statement that the prophet had just said, now remember prophets represent the word of God, that they would speak, they'd be mouthpieces for God. Despite her disbelief in what had just been said, the baby still comes. I'm so thankful for God's faithfulness even when I'm in disbelief in life. And so the baby still comes. And so she holds her baby and the baby begins to grow. And the scripture says one day as he's a, a young boy, he's out in the field helping dad out. And dad's working and the son starts to get a headache. And, and dad's like, what most pops do, hey, go find mama. And so he runs home and he goes finds mom and, and mom's taking care of him. The headache's getting worse and worse. And before you know it, she's holding her son and he breathes his last breath and dies in her arms. She takes her son and his lifeless body, carries them up the stairs to the room that they had built for Elisha, walks in, lays him on the bed reserved for Elisha, and he, then she turns around and walks back down the stairs and she finds the servant and says, get me the donkey. And the fast donkey, I'm going to go see Elisha. And so he, she hops on the donkey and she tells her servant, don't you dare slow down. We're putting the pedal to the, I don't know if the donkey has a pedal. We're, we're going fast. Don't stop for anything. And they get there and, and when they're off in the distance, Elisha sees her coming and tells Gehazi, Gehazi, go check out, see what's going on. God hasn't told me what's happening. And Gehazi runs out and is like, are you doing okay? And she, boom, the best stiff arm in the Bible, boom, stiffs arms him. Spin move around him. I'm going to see Elisha. Everything's fine. And she gets to Elisha. 
Verse 28. Then she said, after falling at his feet, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? And then Elisha said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go with me. So Elisha returned with her. She was not accepting his plan because he represented the words of God. She was not going anywhere until she was able to apply the word to her situation. So Elisha then goes with her back to the house. They get to the house. He goes up to the stairs, gets into his room. The child's on the bed, and it's kind of crazy. He lays himself out over the child. It says eyes to eyes, face to face. He's over the child, and he prays, and it says, and the boy's body warms up. And then he stands up and he paces for a minute and then he walks back and then he lays down and he prays again and it says the boy sneezes seven times. Side note, ministry be yucky sometimes. <laughs> you imagine? I don't know in that moment, you have to be excited that somebody that was dead is now alive again, but you got to be a little bit grossed out because you got stuff on your face. Like, oh, this is so awesome. You're alive and breathing, Right? The boy's alive. This is verse 36. Then Elisha summoned Gehazi, called the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elisha said, here, take your son. Man, what a moment. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. And then she took her son in her arms and carried him down the stairs. What a different trip that was as opposed to the last time when she walked up and he was dead. Um, I really felt in my heart today that I, I had a word for the church, but I also have a word for individuals. So I came to talk to the person who you've been continuing to show up. You've been continuing to create space. You have to understand this in the culture and the context of where they were. For her not to have a son, for her not to have that child, the, the, the implication would have been there was either sin in her life or in her husband's life. And, and, it, and because of that sin, they weren't able to have a child. The implication would have almost been shameful. Imagine you go and you're at the family gathering, the family party or whatever, and everybody's kids are running around and she's just kind of sitting there and she's watching them run and watching them play. And I don't know if there's whispers in the background saying that's too bad. I don't know what she did that she can't have kids. I don't know what husband did that they can't have kids. What in the world? But she doesn't get bitter. She creates space. I feel like there's some of you that you can't quite explain the season you've gone through. And I came to share a word with those of you who keep showing up. You keep making space. You keep hearing about the God who heals and the God who saves and the God who redeems and the God of the breakthrough and the God who restores and the God of the impossible and the God of victory. You keep hearing all these things, but you identify more with the Shunammite woman. When she says in 2 Kings 4.16, you identify with this. If you're really honest, next time, Elijah said, next year at this time, you'll be holding a son in your arms. And this was her reply. No, my Lord. 
Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. I wonder if there's anybody here that you hear about the faithfulness of God. You hear that he's a healer. You hear that he's a redeemer. You hear about the promises, but pain is what you know. Your, pain, your life looks more painful than it does peaceful. It looks more like, like hurt than it does health. It looks more like death than it does life. And you make space and, and you're trying to say, God, I want to honor you. But it's almost like this. You come and you hear a sermon and you're stirred. But it's like the hope hurts. It's easier to hold on to the pain because it's what's familiar. She had kind of just resigned herself to the discouragement of the sun's never coming. So it was a little bit easier. It's like, man, don't get my hopes up. What an incredible, honest statement. I wonder, is there anybody in this room that you've heard Pastor Chad preach or, or, or you're in here today and you're in worship and you're singing about the God of miracles and, and by faith I'm believing for a miracle and, and, and there's a part of you that's singing it, but in your heart you're thinking, don't get my hopes up again. Don't get my hopes up again. I came to talk to you because I know what that's like. Oh, it's terrible, man. You, you want to have hope, but it hurts. You want to believe, but your situation doesn't look like what you're believing for. The promises you read about in Scripture don't look like the environment that you find yourself in. It's called cognitive dissonance. It's what you believe doesn't match up with where you're living. It's like I can't comprehend. I, I'm reading this, but I'm seeing this. And it doesn't make sense to me, and I'm a little bit exhausted, and I'm a little bit spent, and I'm a little bit worn out, and I'm feeling like a bad believer because that's the only air quote I'll use today. I try to limit myself. Sorry. And my church are like, Pastor, you use a lot of air quotes. I don't know if you know that. Just back off. They're helpful in communicating. So I may use more. Okay. It's been a trial and you've, you, you're trying your best to honor God. You're trying your best to believe. Or maybe at this morning you're just like, I just don't even know. Have you ever showed up to a service and you felt like a fraud? People are singing. And you're trying to sing. You're like, I am such a hypocrite. I'm singing that by faith I'm believing for a miracle. It's coming out of my mouth, but it's not coming out of my heart. What do you do when hope hurts? What do you do? The first thing that, that I've really had to do, and this is the journey I've really walked, is I, I've had to, let, let me share this verse with you. This is Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Do you have a favorite place? Like a, like a, like maybe it's like a tree stand in the fall. Anybody? Uh, um, maybe you just like, you're like, Lord, thank you for the trees, especially the big ones that can hold me up when I'm hunting things. Thank you for them, God. And maybe that's your favorite place, and it's in the cool of the morning, and it's quiet, and you're listening for a rustling, and it's just that's your favorite spot. Or maybe, maybe you're more the fall person, the, 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 the pumpkin spice kind. 
Where it's like, oh, as soon as I see a leaf change color, everything in the house is getting changed. All the sweaters are coming out. I'm wearing two at a time. I'm layering immediately. And you like to see the leaves change and have a cup of coffee with, with some pumpkin something in there. And you're like, oh, this is my safe place. I love this part. Or maybe you're like me. My favorite place to be is the beach. I love being at the beach, and I love every year we do our best to save and use our finances to get a condo that would be beachfront. And so I love opening the sliding glass door, and you step out there, and the breeze hits your face. And it's kind of salty. You kind of taste it. And you're like, man, this is so good. And I love getting up early before the kids have annoyed me. And, uh, and I get out there, and, and I'm drinking. I got a cup of coffee, and my, my lips are still have the glaze from the jelly donut that I just destroyed. And, and, and I'm standing there, and I'm looking out over the water with my wife. And have you ever been to the beach on, like, when the water's really still in the morning? The waves are just kind of crashing. They're not really crashing. And the water's real peaceful. And we love in the mornings to look for dolphins. Then we'll just stand out there and say, oh, man, I hope, I hope. And then we'll just be looking. And all of a sudden, you just see like this little bloop. Oh, I saw one. And then bloop, bloop. Oh, he's got friends. So good for him. He's not a lonely dolphin. He's in a pod, praise God. And, and connect groups are important, church. Come on. The dolphins do it. You better sign up. The dolphins are coming up. I love, I love that moment. And all of a sudden, like the sun begins to rise, and you see it break through over the horizon. And I, I, I'm explaining it to you exactly how I see it because where we stand at the beach, this is weird. You're not supposed to do this in public speaking. But uh, the water's out here, but the sun's rising over there where we are. And I see it come up. And it starts to get brighter. And you see the, the light begin to cover the ground, right? And all of a sudden, the dolphins are coming up. And one just pops up over the water and winks at you. You're like, whoa, God's creation is awesome. And you're just sitting there. And then maybe your kids come out. And they're really peaceful. They're wiping the sleep out of their eyes. And they haven't asked you any questions yet. <laughs> and you're like, God, you're good. I'm holding my wife's hand, and I'm seeing his creation, and you see the horizon and the sun. And do you know that sunlight, when it hits your face, do you know it took it eight minutes to get there? 93 million miles from the sun to the earth. As fast as light travels, it takes it eight minutes to get from there to your face. And there, there's been, there, there's been uh, satellites that are made where you can, not satellites, but, but, but um, telescopes made where you can look out. And they've seen, the farthest galaxy they've seen right now is 13.2 billion miles, excuse me, 13.2 billion light years away. That's 76 trillion miles it, it is the farthest away. I, Joey, why are you nerding out on us about some space stuff? Why are you talking to us about the beach? And your affection for dolphins. Because this is what the scripture is saying. On your best day, in your favorite place, your best thoughts about me still fall 76 trillion miles short of my goodness. It can't even comprehend how good I am. The way that my mind works. How I have planned out your life 
what I'm going to do for you. The moves I'm making before you ever get to your next day, I'm making moves on your behalf. Now, you can't even, your brain, it, that gap is 76 trillion miles between what you can think on your best day, standing on the, uh, on, on the balcony looking at the sunrise and the breeze and all that moment where you're like, God, you're so incredible. 76 trillion miles is the gap. And my next thought is, well, then how do I close the gap? Because this is what I begin to realize. What I think about God gets revealed in my life. The what I think about God, if I do not believe, listen, if you show me how you're living, I'll let you know what you think about God. Let me hear how you're praying, I'll let you know what you think about God. Let me see how you're serving, I'll let you know what you think about God. Can I say something real quick, side note? That if you are a Jesus follower and you call Bethesda home, then there should not be any gaps or free spaces in the service area of this church because Jesus came to be to serve, not to be served, right? You want to know who's clapping loud right now? It's the people that are serving and they're drowning saying, please, God, would you send somebody else? Those are the ones that are clapping the loudest. You're like, Joey, I got a lot going on. Everybody's got a lot going on. And there's some seasons where you need to rest and you need to be ministered to. Listen, if you're just trying to find out about Jesus and you're coming, just come and be loved on. But if this is your home, if this is your spot, then come in and find a place to serve and plug in. I remember one time talking to a lady. She's like, she's like Joey, uh, uh, where, where do y'all need help? And I'm like, man, our children's ministry needs help. And she's like, ah, no, I've already paid my dues in children's ministry. I'm like, have you ever read about Jesus and kids? Jesus, he likes kids. He, he, he's a fan. Man, I said this in first service. I, my thought was before I said it, I'm not speaking here next week, so I might as well go for it. <laughs> we're, about to, we're about to enter into another fun-filled political season, aren't we? Ugh. Right, chills down my spine. Here's what bothers me, and I was spending time with my brother-in-law, sister-in-law. I don't know if you know Troy and Dee Dee Jenkins. Yeah, they're good. They're good folks. They're good people. They're good people. Uh, my mother-in-law, father-in-law go to this church, Mike and Karen Carpenter. Um, I'm their favorite son-in-law. I said it in the first service, and I said it again this time just to rub it in Troy's face. Okay. I was hanging out with her, and I said, you know what's been bothering me? And I, and I hear this, not just locally, but I hear this nationally from friends I have that pastor in different states and different areas of the country. Is, is they're like, man, we're, we're, we're grinding. We're trying to, our children's ministry, like we want to we pour into the life of these kids, but we can't get any kind of help. It's been very difficult. And here's what's been rubbing me wrong, is to have a group of people that would declare the sanctity of life. And it is. It's holy. And God, listen, he formed you and he shaped you in the womb. And I fully and wholeheartedly believe that. But to be a people that would say, we believe and declare the sanctity of life, but then to have empty slots in children's service is not kingdom family. It's not kingdom. Come on, you can't say one thing and then live another way. So I would ask this, I would ask this. If you pray today and say, God, where should I be serving? Should it be children's service or should it be somewhere else? Go until you hear no. Don't ask for God to send a butterfly to land on your chest when you wake up in the morning or a rainbow to fall on top of your car with a pot of gold. And you're like, oh, I must be needing to serve. That's a sign from God. 
I wasn't asked to speak about any of that. But like I said, I won't be here next week, so there you go. I would love, I don't know if y'all have a table where people go to sign up. I would love to see that place flood. I'd be like, they're struggling. Like, I don't know. We never had this many sign up. We're running out of pages. That sounds like kingdom. Show me how you live, you serve, you pray. I'll tell you what you think about God. I've been exposed several times about what I think about God. And how I pray. And this last year even. Because I'll sing songs that he's God of the impossible. That he's a wonder working God. He's God of the miraculous. But for there to be a miracle, there has to be what? Impossible. I'm not a fan of impossible. You want to know why? Because it feels impossible. Like, wow, you're so profound, Pastor Joey. Thank you so much for that encouragement. I feel profound today. I don't like impossible. I like easy. I like, the, I like just, just going through life and there's no bumps in the road and the traffic lights all turn green and I get the front space at Walmart and, and, and when I'm standing in the line at the grocery store, they suddenly miraculously open up a line right next to me like, sure, we'll take you right here. I like that life. I don't like a life when things are getting rough, when, when I've got family members who I love that are sick and I've been praying for months, God, will you heal them? God, you did, did, I believe that, that you died and you paid a price for our sin, but I also believe that you were beaten for our healing. Do you recognize and understand this? The cross was necessary for the sin in your life and for the redemption of your soul, but the beating was not. He didn't need to take the beating for your salvation. He took it for your health. And I believe that today there's going to be healing that will happen in this church, in this service. And, and I begin to pray prayers like this, and now I begin to be exposed. And here's what my prayer sounded like. Not, God, would you do the impossible? God, I don't know how it's happening, going to happen, but I believe that you can do it. You, you divided the waters and the, the sea, and, and, and you brought water from a rock, and you walked on the water. And I, I haven't been praying prayers like that if I catch myself sometimes this past year. My thoughts start falling really short of who he really is, and I just ask him to make the odds a little bit better for me. I call that prayer like weak sauce, right? Any of you like spicy food? Yeah? Anybody throw some, some kind of red sauce or hot sauce on your eggs this morning? Yeah. You're like, preach now, pastor. <laughs> I've convicted, Holy Spirit convicted my heart. I, I was stuck praying some weak sauce prayers. I was saying that he was God of the impossible, but I was just praying that he would make things probable, right, that, that he would make things a little bit easier, easy enough that I could do it, easy enough for the path for me to be able to accomplish it. So if the gap is so large between how I think and how he thinks, my next thought is how do I begin to close the gap? How do I begin to close the gap? Revelation 4, verse 8. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. And day after day, night after night, they, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. 
This picture is crazy to me. This is a revelation of what's going on in heaven right now. Even as we're in this service, there's these crazy looking angels. Hopefully they don't get upset at me for calling them crazy looking when, if we see them, right? You know, like, but six wings sounds like a little much, right? Are they kind of like looking at the angels with two wings like, <laughs> good for you, but I've got six. And not only do I have six wings and I can fly really fast, but they got eyes all over them. I, that feels creepy. Can, that, can I just be real with you this morning? Sometimes I read scripture and I'm like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, have you ever had somebody that looks at you and they're just, their gaze? How about a close talker? Their gaze, they'll fix their gaze on you and they'll talk and they're right here and they'll say, hey. Their H's are always hard H's and you feel it. Hey, how are you doing? I'm kind of uncomfortable right now because I can feel your eyelashes, right? Mm-hmm. And they're just, they're not blinking, right? You're like, like man, just, just take a breath and let's, let's keep talking. Let's have some space. I've had people that I talk to like that. Listen, if you don't know any close talkers, you are one, right? You've been exposed. These angels, six wings, it's like a, a thousand GoPros all over them. And all they do is they're flying around a 360-degree view of God. And what comes out of their mouth is what? Holy, holy, holy. And every time they look again and one of the other eyes catches a glimpse from an angle that the other eye didn't see, holy, holy, holy. Like for the Trinity, holy, holy, holy. It's it's the Holy Spirit, right? Holy, holy, holy. That's what they're doing. I realized this the other week. I was doing some studying. Scripture, 400 times, says that God is holy. It speaks that God is holy. Two times, it says that he's love. Now listen, there is some, some leaning in our culture, and, and especially in the states and these times that we live in, there's a heavy leaning into the love of God. As almost if his scripture describes him as holy 400 times, or excuse me, as love 400 times, but only holy twice. There's such a focus on the love of God, and he is love. I'm not saying that he's not love. He is love. But scripture seems to emphasize his holiness. So what is holy? Holy means to be set apart. It's completely and entirely other. There's nothing like, there's nothing above him, there's nothing beside him, there's nothing remotely like him. He is holy, holy, holy. That's Hebrew three times. It's when they repeat it three times, it is making an emphasis. Scripture calls him holy 400 times. And here's what can happen if we're not careful we will lean so heavily into the love and forget about his holiness. How do I begin to close the gap about what I think and what he thinks and who he really is? I have to realize who he really is, and he is holy. He is love, but he is holy. But sometimes I just live my life like he's just love, like he's some kind of thirsty boyfriend, girlfriend that's just trying to always pursue, always chase, and he does. Part of his relationship is he will leave the 99 and go after the one. It's in scripture, it's in the word, and I'm not denying that. But what I'm saying is this, if you think that you can just keep applying his love to your sin and do whatever you want and just use Jesus as a life coach, you're missing the point. There are so many people, come on, 
There's so many people that get frustrated because they come and they maybe hear a message and they're stirred and they say, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want him to be my savior. But they don't ever consider that what he wants as well is to be Lord. So you submit to him as your savior, but not to Lord. You want to keep your hands on the will while he just keeps writing you love letters. I'll put it to you like this. We got three girls in our household, three little girls. They're amazing. And they all did the same thing when they were super little. They all loved to put on princess dresses. I have seen Frozen more times. Listen, if there is a purgatory, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go there. It wasn't a bad movie. But after 68 times, it gets old. So they watch the princess movies. They're like, I want that princess dress. And you're like, okay. And so you get them there for a birthday, Christmas or something. They put it on. And you want to know the first thing they do? Ladies in the room, maybe you did this as a kid. Or maybe some of you got little girls in the house and you know how it rolls. They put it on and the first thing they do is this. Huh? They want to see it. What? They want to see it twirl. They put it on. They find a mirror. They get in the mirror. Where's my camera? I don't know what the camera is. Anyway, it's, it's right there. It's right. They get in the camera. Then the mirror. Then. And they look themselves, looking up and down, like, and then they'll go. They stumble a little bit. I'm like, and I'm hyping them up. I'm there. I love to be my kid's hype man. Dads, hype your kids up. You look awesome. What a great twirl. That, that dress is twirling like crazy. I, I know. And they throw back hair. I don't have hair, so it looks weird. And they throw their hair back. And you know what happens? Sometimes they'll put on a dress. Might be a new dress. And you thought, hey, this is a really cute dress. You're going to look great. And they put it on, and, they, and it doesn't twirl. Kind of slap it up, expecting some kind of invisible wind just to come and do things. It doesn't twirl. I've been in Target before, and they get in the dressing room mirror. And it doesn't twirl, Dad. What do they do? Throw it on the ground. I need one that twirls. Joey, where are you going with this? It's a good question. So I'm trying to remember right now. <laughs> what we do sometimes, we say God is love. He absolutely is love. But we kind of lean away from his holiness. And here's what we begin to do with scripture. We begin to find the ones that feel really good when we put it on. We say, oh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him. And you're like, he so loved me that he came to earth for me. And boy, it twirls, and it does. But what happens is sometimes we'll read a verse, and it doesn't twirl. It doesn't make us feel the way, love your enemies. Oh, this does not twirl. <laughs> I much prefer, Right? It's much more fun taking out my frustrations on social media. Oftentimes with no context, I just write phrases and nobody knows what they really mean. You just put a statement up on something that says, as if, I can't believe they would, don't come at me like that, such and such and such. And you're just airing out all this stuff and you're not praying for your enemies at all. Pray for those who persecute you. 
that does not twirl. I got to pray for somebody from the opposite political party? But then we hear, where can I go from your presence, God? We're spinning. If I could go to the highest heights, you'd be there. If I could go to the depths, you'd still be there. If I could run on the wings of the dawn, you'd still be there. Because you're like my boyfriend. And you'll just follow me wherever I go. But I don't really have to do anything that you want. What about, what about the way that God asks us to praise him? What about how he asks us to worship him? Have you ever spent time in scripture about what God wants when he's to be praised? How to lift up hands? You ever gone to a church where you're like, maybe you came in here today, your first time here, you're like, why are people raising up their hands? Well, it's because scripture calls us to. God likes hands. Lift up holy hands to the Lord. Do so without wrath or doubting. It means don't be upset that you've been asking. Don't doubt that it's going to do you good. Lift up holy hands. There's, a, there's, there's verses that talks about giving a shout of praise. Oh, right? Some of you guys watch the Eagles and the Chiefs play, and you had like Cheeto stains on your shirt and a cold beverage like a water in your hand. You sat there and your team did something cool, and you just said, yeah. But at church, I hope they get to the song I like. I don't know who that guy is on the front row, but that's not Pastor Chad. (sighs) I brought my friend today, and I told them we have the best pastor, and what a great communicator. And now some guy, bald guy in baggy pants. The wheels have come off. (laughs) My wife likes cheesecake. It makes, it makes, it swirls. Cheesecake swirls. It twirls, yes. Um, and, and she, <laughs> I was wrapping up this time last service, so we're going somewhere today, uh, right now. Y'all are ready. I see it in your eyes. You're hungry. Because I'm talking about cheesecake. My wife likes cheesecake, but she doesn't like any cheesecake. She, she likes Cheesecake Factory cheesecake. And in Roanoke, you can really only find it in two spots. I didn't tell my church because I didn't want them to take it. Uh, but I'll tell you, wait, this is being streamed. Okay, I'll tell you anyways. Walmart, Walmart and Target has Cheesecake Factory cheesecake. And don't, don't bring the mixed variety. Slap that out of the hands. That's not what she likes. She likes the OG original cheesecake. I enjoy cheesecake, but I also enjoy candy. And you know what? When I want to bring something to my wife to let her know what I think about her and how I love her, I bring her what she likes, not what I like. So, so, what, so what happens is we'll get to church and we'll bring God the offering that we want to bring, how we want to bring it, the way that we want to bring it. And we want, he's asking for cheesecake and you're bringing hot tamales. 
Or he's, he's, asking, he's asking to lift you up holy hands, and you're like, no, I'm more of an introvert. I literally I had a lady one time after a service, after I encouraged people to raise their hands and worship God, she got frustrated with me because she said, listen, I'm more of a reserved person. I'm, I'm more of a person. I'm more of an introvert. I'm more of a, a, a just I want to think. I want to just be like in my thoughts. And, and, and when you're asking me to do that, it's just not like that's not my personality. That's not how I, and, and my thought was, when did worship become about you? Because because here's, here's the thought. Here's the thought. If you judge a service on Sundays by how you feel, the odds are who you came to worship was not Jesus. And when we live a life saying we're going to focus on the love of God and disregard the holiness of God, what we've done is we've created a religion that worships us. Oh, I have notes. Here we go. <laughs> so what does this have to do with having hurt when we're talking about hope? When hope's the, when hope and, and thinking about something actually, a, a child coming. It took us first, it took us six years. If I could just have the worship team get ready for me. It took us six years before our first child came. Of course, then the floodgates open. We got four. <laughs> but I remember month after month, I don't know if there's anybody in, can identify, month after month became a roller coaster. Will this be the month? And my wife didn't have to say a thing. I could see it in her eyes when I'd walk in. That's not the month. God, I, we've been praying for this. We've been asking for this. It's in our heart. There are so many people, listen, I want to encourage you in this place this morning. Perhaps you're a parent, but you don't have the evidence in your hands yet. You're a mom, but you don't have that evidence in your hands yet. You're a dad, but you don't have that evidence in your hands yet. And that's painful. And I remember having times where it would be painful and it would just be difficult and it would be hard. So what is talking about the holiness of God and, and, and not forgetting that? What does that have to do with with the hurt that I'm feeling right now, with the insecurity that I'm feeling right now, that will this change? Will my marriage be able to turn around? Will my kids come back to him? Will my finances recover? Can the bad choices I make in my life be redeemed? What, what does his holiness have to do with that? Here's what it has to do. In Matthew, Jesus is having what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And there's a moment there where he looks at everybody that's there and he says this, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. I didn't come to get rid of it because why? Because John says, Jesus is the word and the word became flesh. He is not going to go against his word. He's, let me put it like this. He's not going to sacrifice his holiness because of his love for you. But because of his love for you, out of his holiness, his love flows. And because you couldn't be holy, the law pushes us to Jesus. Because we all miss the mark. We're born with the sin nature. We're born needing Jesus. We're born needing redemption. Don't come to church and fake it like you got stuff together. You can come in real. You can come in honest. You can come in a little bit sideways from last night, whatever you were doing. You're going to be welcomed here. You're going to be embraced here. And Jesus loves you right where you're at, but he's not content to leave you there. And that's what's called being made holy, right? He's, Hebrews says that he's our great high priest. And the priests in that day, they would make sacrifices day after day, night after night. 
to try to atone for the sins of the people, but it was never enough. And so Jesus, because he is fully holy and fully love, and he will not do one without the other, he stepped out of heaven onto earth. Your best is his filthy underwear is what scripture says. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. You can't perform well enough to get to heaven. You need, you need Jesus and he loves you. And so he stepped onto earth to go through all that you go through. The temptations you've had, he's had. He had people in his life that he lost. He went through grief. He went through grieving. He went through people lying about him. He went through betrayal. And he lived a holy life. And Hebrews says, as our high priest, he made one sacrifice himself. And it was good for all time. And after he made the sacrifice, it says he sat down. The deal was sealed. It was finished. Let me, let me say this to you. God is not stressed out about your sin. Because if he was, then the cross wasn't enough. But he's very interested in your righteousness. He's very interested. It's like these home makeover shows. And they buy this ratty old home. And they go room by room, fix it up. Anybody else likes watching that? I like watching it too, but I can't do any of it. So it's kind of frustrating. <clears throat> That's what Jesus is doing in our life. He's like, if you'll let me, because of my holiness, if you'll submit to my lordship, I'll come in and I'll begin rearranging the rooms. I'll begin working in your heart. That anger you've been dealing with and you've been trying, you've been trying to, 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 to be less angry. You've been trying to be a better dad, a better husband, a, a better coworker. You've been trying to be a better mom, a better whatever. You've been, you've been trying and you're struggling and you're exhausted. Like, is this always going to be the case? And God says, if you will submit to my lordship because of my holiness, if you'll come into and read the words and not just simply put on the ones that twirl, but the ones that are hard, that the Lord, Scripture says, he disciplines those whom he loves. He's making us holy. He's doing something. And, 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 and as that happens, we begin to realize something about his holiness. That if he said it, he'll do it. Because of his holiness, he cannot be a liar. Did you know there's some things God can't do? God can't change. Jesus Christ, Scripture says he was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he was healing yesterday, that means he's healing today and he's healing tomorrow. And if he's redeeming today, he was healing yesterday, he's redeeming tomorrow. That's who God is. He's consistently the unchanging God, the always holy God, the always redeeming God, the always restoring God. That's who he is. And so what happens when we're living a life, you're like, I hear you saying that, Joey, but I still see my circumstance. Elisha wondered what that walk back was to the Shunammite woman's house. He's walking back. And he's 
climbing the stairs. There's no like manual for what he did, right? He just like lays out over this kid. And I guess it seems weird somehow. Fully applied word to the situation. The promise of God, it wasn't Elisha that promised the son, was it? I mean, he said it. But he could only say what God was speaking. And if God said, there's a son coming, the son comes, and then it's God's responsibility to keep the life going, right? So it's the timing that that stresses me out a little bit. Does the timing of God stress you out at all? Yeah, thank you. One person. I got somebody else in this room that I didn't. The timing of God stresses me out. Because sometimes it feels like I'm drowning and I can't get my next breath. And then it's like, how am I supposed to do anything else other than just try to survive? God, why, why is this going on? And Lord, what are you, what are you doing? We live, our brains are created in such a way that we try to fill in the blanks of things that we don't understand. Have you ever texted somebody and all of a sudden you see the three bubbles pop up and then they go away and then they don't come back for hours or days? You're like, are they, are they mad at me? What have I done? What have they done? I'm getting a little. Have you ever just thrown them a single question mark back? Deal with that. You did that to me one time. We fill in, we, we fill in the blanks. Rarely, rarely does the mind go to, you know what? They're probably so busy just thinking about me. And what they really want to say to tell me about how they feel. They're probably doing some rough drafts right now on paper, old school, analog. And then they're going to get back to me. Whatever. Take your time. Now, we normally kind of tend to a skewed perspective of the negative. But when I invest in understanding the holiness of God and that he will be true to his word, then the gaps that I fill in in my life are, I don't understand it right now. I can't figure it out right now. But what you said is you have plans for me to prosper me and not to harm me in a future and a hope for my life and that you love me and you're not going to leave me and you're not going to abandon me. I don't understand But what I'm going to put in this gap is your word because you're holy. And when hope hurts, I'm going to apply your word because you're holy. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But here's what I'm choosing to do. This is not my emotions. This is my will. Church, at some point, maturity has to occur. And you have to realize God gave you a will that can take precedent over your emotions. But if your emotions are making the choices and the decisions of your life, you are always going to consistently wreck the car. Because all the enemy has to do is get you frustrated, get you angry, get you discouraged. And it's not easy. 
to engage your will. It's not easy to worship when you don't want to. We're about to worship in a minute, and I want to encourage some of you in this place. All hell has been breaking loose in your life. I encourage you to raise your hands and lift your voice, and with your will, praise Him. It does not make you disingenuous if you don't feel it. It makes you mature because you're declaring the truth of the Word over your situation. You're taking the Word of God and applying it to a dead thing, and it will begin to breathe again. It's gonna breathe again. The timing of God, I gotta wrap around to this and we're gonna sing this song and then there'll be some ministry time. You go a few chapters further, you kinda think the story's over with the Shunammite woman. But there had been a famine in the land and everybody leaves to go where the food is. And when she comes back with her son, her land has been taken. And so she's like, I need to go speak to the king about this. They've taken my land. It needs to be returned. I love the boldness of this woman. She, knows, she understands authority. So she goes and she takes her son and she's walking to go talk to the king about the land that's been taken. And it says in that scripture, here's the crazy thing. It says in that scripture that as she's on her way, Gehazi, remember that name? He's standing and he happens to be talking to the king about some cool things that he's seen God do. And he's like, King, man, there was this one time that there was this, this Shunammite woman and she had a child and, and, and Elisha prophesied the child and the child was born and then the child died and Elisha went and the child was raised from the dead. What a, it was so crazy to see God do that. And then all of a sudden she walks through the door, King, you're not gonna believe this. Here's the woman right now. She's walking in with her testimony. She walks in. He said, I've heard your story. I'm just talking about you. She lets him know what's going on. He said, listen, today, everything you have lost will be restored. And not only will it be restored, but I'm declaring that interest be paid back to you for the time it was taken. So you're not only coming back to what you lost, but I'm giving you back more than what was taken. And I wanna tell you right now, you're wondering why the timeline is so long. I wanna tell you this, there is a provision of God that only makes sense in retrospect, only looking back. And I wanna tell you right now, be bold in the process because there's a payoff coming and you're gonna see his holiness fulfilled and his word proven true in your life. And whatever the enemy took, he's gonna to have to return. And he's not just gonna to have to return that, but he's gonna to have to return it with interest. There's a young man and his name's, I'm gonna finish with this, I promise, probably. This young man, he's a skier, he's a, it's called a free rider. He doesn't do the normal slopes. True story, I tried to go skiing with my youth group once. I used to be a youth pastor. I tried to go skiing. I bought some new ski pants halfway down on my second run. My ski pants blew out from knee to knee. And I finished the rest of the way with my pants just flapping in the wind. What a glorious sight that was. You want to win the respect of youth? Ski down the mountain with your rear end showing. That'll do it. 
But this kid, there's a kid named Jacob Smith, and he's what's called a free rider. He goes, he goes where, the, uh, where the ski lifts don't go. And he rides down trails that he's making and where there hadn't been trails. But see, the thing about Jacob is that when he was eight years old, he lost his sight. He had a cancerous tumor and, and, and it pushed in on his eyes and lost his sight. And the next logical question is, how, how does somebody who skis down mountains do it blind? When he was 12 years old in Big Sky, Montana, there's this run called the Big Coulard. It's a thousand foot vertical drop descent or for a thousand foot descent at a 50 degree angle the whole way down. It's treacherous. It's world-class skiing. Here's how he did it at 12 years old. After he'd had his surgery and he'd gone blind, his dad got him back on the slopes. And his dad helped him learn again because he'd been skiing since a little kid and his dad would help him, show him like, okay, here, here comes a bump. All right, here comes, a, here comes another. And he kept training him. And at 12 years old, he's standing at the top of Big Kular and he can't see and the wind's whipping and it's cold. But he's got somebody on the radio. His dad's at the bottom. Son, you ready to do this? And his dad's standing bottom of the slope and he's, his son's up there about to do like come on man this is scary right and they asked the kid after he had completed Jacob what were you thinking he said I was thinking full send that means I'm going all the way I'm putting everything and he launches into it and his dad says, okay, Jacob, there's a turn coming. You need to cut back to the right. And he said in the interview, when my dad says right, I go right. And when he says left, I go left. And he listened to his dad, and he's, he's going down the mountain, this treacherous slope. All right, son, you need to do this. There's a bump coming, and you're going to have to do this. And, and he's giving instruction to his son the whole way down. And I just wonder if this, I wonder if that's what faith really is. If faith is really spelled R-I-S-K, if it's a point in life where you can't see what's coming, but you can hear what God is saying if you would just listen. And if you'll listen and it won't make sense, you're like, I don't know, I can't see, but I'm hearing right. Okay, I'm going to go right. I, God, you want me to pray for that person? Okay, I'm going to go pray for that person. I don't understand my life's in shambles, but I'll pray. God, you want me to serve kids? I don't even like my own. Okay, I'll go serve kids. I know you guys like your kids. We're going to worship here. And what I want to encourage you in this moment of worship, I want you to sing uncomfortably loud. You know what uncomfortably loud means? It means when you get home and you're at lunch and you're eating, <clears throat> my throat's a little sore. Is your throat sore? We get sore screaming like that. Get sore singing loud. But I want to empty out a praise today that declares in the middle before the circumstance changes, what one pastor said before, I'm going to praise him on credit. I'm going to praise him like it already happened. I'm going to praise him like the baby's back in my arms, alive and breathing. I'm going to praise him before the situation changes. I'm going to praise him because he deserves the glory. I'm going to praise him because he's holy. 
Before I am concerned about him chasing me, I'm going to chase after him because the Bible says if you draw into me, I'm going to draw into you. We're going to have a God encounter right now. The prayer team's going to come up. If you want to come up, if you don't want to wait till ministry time, if you want to come up, come up. While the prayer team's up here, come up. You might just need a hug. You might just need a brother or a sister to say, I got you. I'm here for you. I'm standing with you. Before we do that, I want to take one moment. I want you to hear me right now. Anybody in this room or online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, do not wait till tomorrow. Nobody is promised tomorrow. That's not a threat. It's just a reality of life. And what I'm asking you to do right now is understand this. I'm not just simply saying pray a prayer so that now Jesus is your life coach. I'm saying would you pray a prayer that you would submit you to him as your savior, as the lover of your soul, and as the king and lord of your life. That you wouldn't just be saying, okay, well, I'm going to come and just agree with the things that twirl. But I'm all of it, God. I, I want to worship you for your holy. I want to be obedient for your holy. If that's you, if you've never prayed to have a relationship with Jesus, but you recognize this right now, he loves you so much that in his holiness, he came. That even while you were a sinner, sinner means missing the mark. We've all missed the mark. That's what sinning is. That while you were a sinner, he died for you. Before you ever said yes to him, he said yes to you. On the chance, on the maybe, you would say yes. That's how much he loves you. You were worth it on the maybe. I want to ask you right now, if you want to respond to Jesus, not only as the Savior, but as the Lord of your life, where you get to bring him everything, the pretty and the ugly. I just want you to, just to slip up your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Online, respond. I just want you to say, I want Jesus. If you're online, you just put it in the chat. You can just say, I, I'm coming. If that's you, I want you to just, would you be bold enough just to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I also want to add this to it. I prayed this morning. I was walking through some chairs back over here praying, and I felt like there was going to be somebody that this morning that you would be a prodigal. Prodigal means at one point you called Jesus Savior and you called him king, but then you went and did your own thing. And this morning he's saying, it's time to come home. It's time. I've been waiting on this. I've been waiting to embrace you. I've been waiting to restore you. I've been waiting to redeem you. Come on home. If you're a prodigal or if you want to pray this for the first time, I want you, church, would you pray together with me for anybody? And if you didn't raise your hand, you were nervous to raise your hand, I want you to find somebody after the service and let them know. Pray this with me, would you? Jesus, I believe that you died for me, that you paid a price for me, that you were holy when I couldn't be. And I ask you to forgive me, be the Lord of my life. I give everything to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.